This week on Myths and Legends, it's a return to the Monkey King in a story about an unideal marriage, life with your in-laws, unexpected friends, and tricky costumes. Then, on the Creature of the Week, it's the Milk Bird, and you'll learn that finding the best milk might just require hugging a tree, or catching the right fowl. This is Myths and Legends, episode 207, Girls Before Swine. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Previously on the podcast, we met the scripture pilgrim, Xuanzang, a Buddhist monk in early China, sent on a quest by the Bodhisattva Guangyin. The mission? Retrieve from the Thunderclap Temple in India, far to the west. He was joined by a couple beings on various redemption arcs, like Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, who, after being disrespected, battled heaven, barely lost, and found himself imprisoned under a mountain for 800 years, until he was released to escort the scripture pilgrim on his quest. Last time, they stopped off at a monastery and fought off several greedy monks. Today, they're back on the road. You know, I was a little skeptical when we left that monastery a week ago, but you really do seem different, Xuanzang said, turning to Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. The Monkey King continued rooting through his pack. Ah, all they had left was yams. Here you go, boss. Yams, Xuanzang froed a brow. We didn't pack any yams, Sun Wukong laughed. Oh yeah, I know, it was a gift from the monks before we left. They were super generous. I just held out my bag and they piled all this stuff in. Food, money, barely even had to ask for it. So you robbed them, the monk said, taking the food from his mouth. No, no, no. I just walked through the crowds with my staff out, like this, in an open bag. It was purely voluntary. Weren't they on their hands and knees begging you not to kill them for trying to kill us, the monk said returning his ration to the pack. Uh, these are details that I don't think are relevant to their voluntary donations, Sun Wukong insisted. And then, not at all to change the subject, he pointed up ahead. Hey look, there's a town up ahead. He would go check it out. Make sure it wasn't full of bloodthirsty monks who might want his boss's shiny shirt. The monk rolled his eyes, seeing exactly what Sun Wukong was doing, and the monkey king was off. But he didn't make it to town, because the town came to him. That is, a man dressed in traveling clothes met him halfway there. He wore a wrap around his head, a bundle across his back, and in his hands was an umbrella. Naturally, when the man spotted a tall, armored monkey sprinting toward him, he shrieked and tried to break left. Within seconds, Sun Wukong had him immobilized, held fast by the arm and pack. What are you doing? The man shouted. Let me go. How do I know you're not a villain coming to get my boss? Sun Wukong demanded. The man gasped. What? No. He was just a traveler. The Monkey King had rushed him. He was the attacker. I believe you mean I politely asked for your aid, 
and you looked suspicious and broke off in a run, Sun Wukong said, still gripping the man as though he was holding him with iron tongs. All eyes suddenly turned toward a rustling in the trees. It was Xuanzang, the monk, emerging from the forest. He took one look at the scene and pinched the bridge of his nose. <sighs> Monkey, what was all this? Sun Wukong spoke first. All this was him saving his boss's life. You're welcome. This man was clearly an assassin. Probably. On cue, the hostage countered that he was not an assassin. He was a messenger. And his message was this. The daughter of Mr. Gao, a local noble and his uncle, had been taken by a monster. The monster was, I guess, a traditional kind of guy? Because instead of taking her and, uh, you know, the monster married her first. Still, Mr. Gao had been very upset that his daughter had been taken, blah, 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 but he was now enraged that his son-in-law was an ogre. He knew this could never last, despite one of the parties literally having the other in chains. But it had been three years, and now none of his in-laws would talk to him because of his ogre son-in-law. All he wanted was to have this marriage annulled. And his daughter to be home safely? The monkey said, after a long pause. Oh, sure, like, if it's convenient, the messenger continued. Mr. Gao had given him some tales of silver, a whole pouch of them, actually, to find an exorcist, someone who could fight a demon ogre. But he'd only been able to find worthless monks who'd taken his money and bolted. Monkey whipped the stranger around in his arms until the man was staring him square in the face, like three inches away. It was way too close. He announced that the messenger was in luck, because for Sun Wukong, his master, and the dragon horse back there, monster fighting was their business. And business was very good. There were a ton of monsters everywhere around here. The messenger grew suspicious. How did he know the Monkey King wasn't just going to come and rob his whole family or something? Monkey smiled and shook his head, loosening his grip. I guarantee you won't be harmed in any way. Sun Wukong said, and then glanced at the young man's extensive bruising where he had been gripping him like a vice. Uh, uh, harmed any more, he added, and let the messenger go. Lead the way. Wait, so you said it was a monster that kidnapped her? Sun Wukong asked the traveler as everyone stood before Mr. Gao. He is and he did, the traveler replied. But you just said that you gave her in marriage to the guy. Sun Wukong turned to Mr. Gao. Two men, Mr. Gao and his nephew, the messenger, both nodded. Also true. Sun Wukong took a deep breath and sighed. All right, whole story, out with it. He took a seat and waited. Mr. Gao, apparently, had three daughters, and the third, named Green Orchid, had not yet been pledged to anyone. Mr. Gao hoped that whoever she married would consent to giving the children Gao's last name, on account of him not having any sons. Well, along came Zhu, a stranger walking on the road, and not a bad-looking one either. He was obviously intelligent, and shared that he came from a good family, his parents were dead, and he didn't have any siblings, though. So, 
he was actually cool with taking Gao's last name. It seemed like a good match. And for a while, Zhu was a great son-in-law. He proved both industrious and well-behaved. Strong, too. He could plow the fields without a buffalo and harvested grain without a sickle. He left early in the morning and returned late at night. But over that time, he had also been changing. Changing? How so? Zhuanzong asked from the back. Mr. Gao said that the guy, well, what's the best way to put this, started putting on some weight. Oh, well, that's normal, right? Guys get married, put on a few pounds, maybe have an open mind, Sun Wukong said. Well, Gao explained further, he went from eating normal meals to eating four bushels of rice in one sitting. A snack became 100 rolls. Oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's not normal. Sun Wukong nodded. He also grew massive ears and a pig snout. At this, Sun Wukong nearly spit out his drink. So you're telling me he turned into a hog? You do know that Zhu means hog, right? As in, he telegraphed who he was from the beginning. Uh, what's a telegraph? Gao asked. But Sun Wukong waved him on. Gao had realized early on how lucky they all were that Zhu stuck to a vegetarian diet or else they would have gone bankrupt. Still, he rode around on the wind, and was always kicking up stones and dirt whenever he came through. Sun Wukong told Mr. Gao to relax. Where was the monster's lair? It was only like 6, oh, 8.30? Still, they could knock this out before bed. Mr. Gao pointed over his shoulder. Oh, the hog man was just out back. Sun Wukong blinked out back? Hadn't Gao said that Zhu kidnapped his daughter? The old man nodded. I, yeah, she's out back too, in the guest house. Though Gao hadn't seen her in the last year and a half. Monkey grimaced and whispered to Zhuanzong. This was like a true crime podcast now. He hadn't seen his daughter in like 18 months. Oh, she was absolutely dead by now. But uh, a job's a job and a redemption arc was a redemption arc. Sun Wukong, the monkey king, stood. Show me the way, he called to Gao. Zhuanzong hung out inside the house. Fighting monsters was monkey business. Ha. Huh? And he preferred relaxing with some of the elders in the house, chatting about philosophy and eating a vegetarian feast while the massive monster fight took place in the backyard. Outside, Monkey and Mr. Gao crept toward the backyard structure. All was dark and no lights glowed inside. Monkey shook his head. Gonna be gross. Should have had a disclaimer on this one. He turned to Gao. Did the man have a key for the lock? Gao shot back an angry glance. If he had a key, wouldn't he have used it by now to rescue his daughter? Ah, I'm just messing with you, Monkey chuckled, plucking a needle from behind his ear. Are you gonna, like, pick the lock or something? Mr. Gao squinted for a better look. Monkey chuckled again. Not exactly. The needle, as we know, is Sun Wukong's magical staff from one of the Dragon Kings. It could shrink to the size of a needle for easy transport, yet expand to an enormous size on a moment's notice. Even now, it had grown into a makeshift battering ram that quickly annihilated the outer edge of the door, flinging splinters into the darkened room. Both Sun Wukong and Mr. Gao peered inside. G Green Orchid, are, are you there? 
Gao called out, hoping for a response, but fearing the worst. A moment passed. And then, there, a faint voice replied, Papa, I'm here. The old man leaned forward, straining to see into the darkness. Did Monkey see her? How did she look? Sun Wukong grimaced. He'd expected to find her dead, so really any amount of not being dead was technically a win here? Let's let that be our threshold. Um, not great, though. Monkey wasn't sugarcoating it either. The daughter's eyes were sunken. Her lips were nearly colorless. Her visage pale and weary. Her body was now crooked and bent. She was alive, but not full of life. She limped to her father, weeping, and the two embraced. As they hugged and wept, Sun Wukong explored further into the house. Hey, he called back. What about, you know, the evil pig monster? Where is he? The daughter dried her eyes and explained that her husband left during the day and came back every night, about this time, actually. Monkey nodded. Cool. They should get inside. He would take care of everything from here. Just leave quickly. Mr. Gao paused. How did the Monkey King plan on beating the monster? There, standing next to Gao's daughter, was Gao's daughter. Oh, I have my ways, said Sun Wukong with a wink, in the form of Gao's daughter. With ease, he set the front door back on its hinges. Mr. Gao grimaced. Okay, he officially did not want to know. Not a half hour later, Sun Wukong settled into bed, still in the form of Green Orchid. He didn't have to wait long until he heard the rush of wind, dirt, and rocks pelting the outside of the house, and the thud of something hitting the ground, something big. With each step came a new shake, and then the door flew open, framing the night sky around a massive, hulking silhouette. The husband, Zhu, knelt down and turned on a lantern. He was actually worse than Sun Wukong expected. His arms and belly covered in a fine hair, speckled with dirt, and, true to Gao's account, his look complete with floppy ears and a snout. Oh, baby, you feeling sick? Zhu asked. I'm sorry you're feeling bad. Uh, any idea what it could be? Sun Wukong, once again, in the form of Green Orchid, his wife, shook his head. He wasn't a doctor or anything, but it could have been the malnutrition, captivity, or possibly lack of sunlight. Mm, probably not, Zhu declared, and approached the bed. He knelt down. Give your husband a kiss, he said. Monkey had taken this about as far as he wanted to. So when Zhu knelt down with eyes closed, Monkey grabbed the ogre's snout and twisted. Hard. And because of Monkey's strength, Zhu flipped completely over and landed on his back. Rubbing his nose, Zhu rose. Baby, what's wrong? Uh, you know, besides the imprisonment and no sunlight stuff. Monkey replied that he, uh, she, was sick. She just wasn't feeling it tonight, okay? Give her some space. Zhu, who apparently respected her wishes enough to not push the issue, but not enough to, you know, not keep her in captivity, rubbed his sore nose, took off his shirt, and jumped into bed. All he now really wanted was to fall asleep. The moment he closed his eyes, Green Orchid, a.k.a. Monkey, 
cleared her throat. Hey, uh, we need to talk. With a sigh, Zhu opened his eyes and stared at the ceiling. Yeah, sure. What's up? Monkey, Green Orchid, said that her family had come by today, yelling at her over the wall. Zhu rolled his eyes. Did they have to talk about her family right now? He'd just nodded off. Hadn't he done enough for them? He worked hard, he provided. They say you're so ugly and monstrous that you've ruined the family's reputation. They don't even know what your name is where you're from. Sue groaned, oh my gosh, how much more honest could he have been? He told Mr. G that his name was Zoo, which everyone knew meant hog, and that his family name was Gangly, aka Stiff Bristles. His family hailed from the Cloudy Paths Cave, Fueling Mountain. Monkey nodded, wow, offering up everything just like that. Honest guy. A terrifying yet strangely respectful captor, too. Yeah, well, honesty aside, They've called it an exorcist, Sun Wukong said. <laughs> Sue laughed. Another? Yeah, good luck. They said it was someone called Great Sage, equal to heaven. Sun Wukong, I think it was, said Sun Wukong. A long pause followed before Zoo rose from bed and slipped on his shirt. Well, I'm out, Monkey sat up. What now? In the dark, Zoo nodded. Yeah, I'm leaving you. There's no way I'm dealing with banned horse plague. I don't need that type of trouble. Monkey sat up straight. He, he was leaving her? For real? So it was over. This, wait, why was he sad? He wasn't actually Zhu's wife. He was Sun Wukong. Wait, Monkey called from bed, scrambling to stand. He chased after Zhu, and in the moonlight, the ogre swept his wife into his pig arms. Monkey slash Green Orchid insisted that he didn't need to go. He didn't need to worry about his father calling Sun Wukong. At this, Zhu paused. And why not? It was then that the moonlight hit Sun Wukong's face, revealing not Green Orchids, but a half-transformed image, tantamount to Monkey in a wig. Zhu shrieked and shoved the imposter away. By the time Monkey skidded to a halt, he was fully transformed back into himself, and he'd already plucked the staff from behind his ear. Zhu, however, had wasted no time. He himself had already turned into shafts of light and taken off into the open sky. Hmm, that was unexpected, even for a monster, Monkey thought, the edges of his mouth curling upward. He didn't have to follow the hog, because he already knew exactly where the monster was headed, the Cloudy Paths Cave. That back there was a fancy little trick, Monkey greeted, as Zoo resumed his hog form, landing near the stone doors of his house. The hog staggered backwards in terror. How did you... How did I know you were going to your cave? The Cloudy Paths Cave on Fueling Mountain? Monkey interrupted. Why, it was because old Zoo told him his home address when they were in bed together. Rule number seven can apply to anyone, he said, grinning and referencing the Myths and Legends t-shirt. Now Sun Wukong had a question for Zoo. How did Zoo know so much about the old monkey? How did he know the name Ban Horse Plague? That was the disrespectful name that Heaven had given him. 
in the torchlight of his ancestral home. Zoo grimaced and glanced sideways off into the distance. That was from a long time ago. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's that? Monkey asked, raising a hand. It's, it's a flashback. I, I thought it would be more effective if I just showed you, instead of just boring you with exposition, Zoo said. Monkey shrugged. Huh, sure. He'd allow it. Zoo began anew. It was 500 years ago, a celebration in the palace of the Jade Emperor in heaven, because it was over. We had won the war. Hold up, the war? The war with whom? Monkey interjected. Oh, with you, Zoo smiled and continued. After the break, you'll see how you can avoid turning into a horrifying pig monster, but that will be right after this. The Marshal of the Navy smoothed out his robe. Big night. He was nervous. He was, of course, a celestial being who had commanded the Navy of Heaven, some 80,000 in all, against Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. He had been mostly a complete failure, but the same could be said of everyone in that room. It didn't matter that the Marshal hadn't planned ahead or woken up before noon for the entire campaign, because it was only the Buddha's power and urine-soaked hand that had finally subdued Monkey. In the end, it was truly a celebration, and everyone deserved to be there. Everyone, that is, except for the Marshal of the Navy. At least, that's how he felt. He was nervous to be in the presence of the Jade Emperor, the Queen Mother, the Inspector General, the Moon Queen, so many others. He'd flagged down a waiter in short order. Could, uh, could he get a drink? Well, one turned into two, and two turned into ten, and soon, soon the Marshal of the Navy was feeling pretty great. Of course he deserved to be there. This wasn't a reason to fear, this was a reason to be excited, and this would be the first night of the rest of his life. He didn't know how things had gone so wrong. In fact, he'd missed several chances to pull up from his nosedive into exile. That night, blind drunk, He'd staggered into the Palace of the Moon and confronted Chang'e, the immortal goddess of said moon. He explained that he knew she was attached, but she had a long-distance thing with that guy after the whole immortality pills deal. But he had to tell her she was the most beautiful woman in the world. In space? Didn't matter. He hooked an arm around her. She smiled, slipped free, and suggested that Maybe he should go lie down. Instead, the marshal had moved closer, his breath reeking of liquid courage. He said that Chang'e read his mind. They should lie down. Together? Huh? Suggestive eyebrow waggle? Chang'e politely stated a very clear no and excused herself. And had the marshal stopped there, that would have been the end of it. Sure, it was sleazy and embarrassing, but nothing that would have led to exile. But of course, it hadn't stopped there. The marshal left and downed a few more drinks before returning to ask the moon goddess to bed 
three more times. And on the fourth time, it was no longer Chang Lu who stood there waiting, but the inspector general. They should have a talk. Immediately, the marshal was incensed. What was this guy's deal? Couldn't he see that the marshal had something going on with the moon goddess? Was he jealous? Hello? The inspector reiterated that that wasn't what was happening here, but the marshal couldn't and wouldn't hear it. He knew they'd done something with Chang'e, and right when their love was beginning to blossom after several aggressive propositions, ah, so romantic, staggering back and forth, he called out to Chang'e. Clearly, they'd hid her away from him, and now he couldn't find her anywhere. He began searching, and that's when things cranked up another notch. It was all kind of fuzzy to the marshal at this point. Some celestial might have gotten punched in the face. An arch of the Jade Emperor's palace might have been toppled. Who's to say who was in the wrong? Unfortunately, the combined power of heaven said so and came down hard to incapacitate him. Really, he should have been executed, but he still had friends in high places, so he got away with a light punishment. A mere 2,000 blows and a literal full-body skin peel before being exiled to an earthly womb to be born again. And again. And again, reincarnating each time as the pig monster Monkey now saw before him. Monkey nodded. Wow, alright, um, cool backstory. If you don't mind, I'm going to split your head open now. Zoo threw his hands in the air. After all that, all the sad backstory, and Monkey still wanted to kill him? Unbelievable. Sad backstory, Monkey blinked. I guess it was, because all I heard was, sad lazy general gets ticked because his sleazy behavior doesn't work, and then takes down part of the Jade Emperor's palace. Repositioning his stance, Monkey leaned forward and grew serious once more. Now, seriously, hold still, because Monkey wanted to kill him and go home. He was tired from all that walking, but Zoo would not hold still. Ugh. Unsurprisingly, the creature didn't want to die an untimely death at the hands of a superpowered Monkey. Few do. The pair fought on until Monkey, at the sight of the sky turning purple, turned to catch the sun peeking over the mountains behind him. It was morning? As he turned, Zoo took his chance and booked it home. For a pig monster, he could really move. It was quite the sight, and when Monkey turned back, the doors to the Cloudy Path's cave were shut tight. Monkey rolled his eyes. He was so over this. Somehow he'd lost sight of the actual purpose of this whole trip. You know, protecting the monk currently chumming it up with Mr. G not moonlighting as a freelance monster fighter. If the monster went anywhere, Monkey had him. But for now, he needed to focus, get back on track. With a quick somersault onto a cloud, Monkey flew to Mr. Gao's. So he's not coming back anytime soon, Monkey said, finishing up some rice. And then he waited, studying the face of Mr. Gao. It 
kind of sounds like he'll be back the first moment a monkey demigod isn't here, which is most days, Xuanzong noted. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, agreed Mr. Gao. Monkey jammed more rice in his mouth. So you want me to go apprehend him so he doesn't come back here again? Yeah, I figured that would be the outcome, but had to try. With that, he stood, nodded to his boss and the guy who owned the village, and backflipped out the window. When Monkey arrived at the cave once more, he decided he knocked this time with his magical, super strong staff. In two knocks, the door was gravel, and Monkey could see Hog laying down behind it, still catching his breath. You know, one of the indicators of fitness is how quickly your heart rate returns to normal after a workout. It's been like two hours. I mean, sure, I broke down your door and I'm about to beat you with an iron rod, but you should probably talk to a doctor or something. That's not normal. Zhu, not caring for Monkey's threats or unsolicited medical advice, took up his trademark weapon, a nine-pronged rake, one he somehow had since his days as marshal, and attacked. It wasn't a long fight. Despite Zhu's strength, he was exhausted. Soon, Monkey stood over him as he tried and failed to rise again. Monkey had won. Zhu looked out to the sky and cried, Ah, Bodhisattva Guanyin! He failed his quest even before he began. Monkey raised his staff with all his might and then deflated with a long exhale. Oh my goodness, no. How did Zhu know that name? Zhu shared that she had stopped by, years ago actually, recruiting him for a dangerous journey to the west. When the scripture pilgrim came through, he was to join the party and help the monk complete the mission that would save the world. The scripture pilgrim. Did you just say the scripture pilgrim? Monkey mumbled, staring off into nowhere and lowering his weapon further. Zeus smirked, proud to have explained something to Monkey for a change. Yeah, he's the guy who's blessed by the boot. Stop, don't. I know who he is, Monkey said. Get up. It was time to test Zoo's resolve and dedication to the journey. Zoo would need to burn down his ancestral home. It wasn't easy, but Zoo complied. And seeing the job complete, Monkey sighed, plucked three of the hairs from his side, and held them in his hand. He blew on them. Onto the wind they flew, growing and turning into ropes that wrapped around Zoo's hands. As they walked back toward town, Monkey had to ask if, if Guanyin had put him on this sacred mission to join the journey to the West, what was up with all the sleaziness? Didn't that seem odd paired with anything sacred? Zeus smirked. The only commandment that she gave him was to wait here, keep a vegetarian diet, not don't deceive young women into marriage and kidnap them. Monkey shook his head. I'm literally a power-crazed animal, and even I recognize that that might follow the letter of the law, but it definitely doesn't track with the spirit of the law. But whatever, let's go talk to my... He looked up again, at the grinning, stinking pig man trailing behind him, and groaned. Ugh. Our new master. You can untie him, Wukong, 
Xuanzang announced. After the monk finished his prayers, he's coming with us. Monkey's shoulders slumped as his hairs loosened from around Zhu's hands and, shrinking, returned to his side. Mr. Gao's fist pumped in the air as the monk informed both he and Zhu that the marriage should have never happened. And, in the eyes of, well, everyone, it didn't. Zhu maybe didn't know, but when he was called by Guangyin to be a monk, he wasn't allowed to marry, and so they would never mention it again. Zhu nodded. He understood. His only wish was to say goodbye to his family, and if they should fail on their quest, he would return to resume being an honored member of the family. Mr. Gao's face blanched, and Xuanzang calmly patted the air with both palms. It was obvious that Zhu didn't understand, but uh, they'd work on it. After Mr. Gao provided them with a final meal that almost bankrupted him, the trio, and their horse that was actually a dragon in disguise, set off at last on the road to the west. As they traveled, Monkey turned to Zoo. I'm gonna call you Pigsy, like some versions do. It's a cute name for a giant pigman who's wholly consumed by sloth, gluttony, and lust. Please don't. I prefer to go by Zhu Wuneng, or Awake Power, or Eight Precepts Pig. A lot of fun ones to choose from, Zhu said. Monkey nodded. Or I could just call you Idiot, as is actually common in many versions. Zhu feigned a smile. You know what? Pigsy works fine. Let's go with Pigsy, Zhu said. And from here on out, we, like Monkey, will call him Pigsy. Now, when it came to traveling and interacting with people on their journey, Sun Wukong wasn't not frightening, but he was mostly human-looking, especially in his clothes. So, by the time people realized that they were speaking with a talking monkey, it wasn't quite as shocking. Also, he could eat air. The monk didn't eat much, and also didn't complain. So, both of them fared pretty well. Pigsy, however, was not cut out for this journey. Like I absolutely would, he complained that he had to walk so much. He complained that he had to sleep on the ground, and he constantly griped about how few all-you-can-eat buffets there were on dangerous quests. Like, almost none. It was ridiculous. He even made it difficult to accept hospitality, because when people saw a giant pig monster lurking behind the monk and his disciple at the door, they assumed that everyone was under attack and slammed the door in their faces. When at last they found their way into a home, Pigsy would devour ten bowls of rice, rice and bowl, before Zhuanzong had even finished saying his grace. Still, they continued on. One of their hosts, and a monk they had met along the way, warned them of the mountains ahead, of the demons that lurked in the shadows, and how all the forces of darkness were mustering to keep them from completing their quest. Retrieving the scriptures from the Thunderclap Temple seemed an impossible task. Monkey and Xuanzang had fallen into a rhythm on their travels, and now they had to add this guy, who added nothing that Monkey himself didn't already possess. Strength, power, interesting smells, but who also annoyed them constantly. Xuanzang had the patience of a monk, but even he had to move ahead of the pair, on account of the constant bickering as they walked. 
It was as they were picking their way along a narrow mountain road that Pigsy whined again. They should turn back. The wind was scary and he barely fit on this road. Storm clouds grew up ahead, but the pair couldn't stop here. If they didn't make it over the crest before the storm came, they would lose days. No, they must press on. Besides, I can catch and smell the wind, Monkey said. We're fine, crybaby. Pigsy wouldn't hear it. You can't catch the wind, Monkey. You just caught air in your hand. Yeah, well, what do you think the wind is made of? Duh. Monk, tell him he can't catch the wind. He's lying, Pigsy yelled out. Xuanzang called back for them to sort it out and for Monkey not to lie about stuff. Monkey opened his hand and smelled. Huh, that was... Oh no, his staff flew to his hand and grew as he leapt into the air. A similar blur jumped from a rock. Just in front of Xuanzang, Monkey was almost too slow, and the sudden form knocked Xuanzang from his mount before Monkey brought his staff down hard upon it. The monster was only a tiger. A tiger that could take a blow from a staff that had fought the heavens and won. The tiger, now standing between him and his master, raised himself up on his hind legs to inspect his chest. The staff had broken the skin, and the blood was starting to flow from a deep bruise. Hmm, can't have that, the tiger said, and, unsheathing a claw, sunk it deep in the wound, cutting his own skin. Monkey and Zhuanzong grimaced as he tore his skin free from his body, revealing a white, fanged, and wild-haired demon underneath. Monkey and the monk might have been surprised, but Pigsy wasn't. This was his time to shine. He rushed forward, shoved Monkey aside, and brandished his rake. While Pigsy fought the demon, Sun Wukong flew to his master, scooping him up off the ground and tucking him behind a rock for safety. He told his master to stay there. He would fight alongside Pigsy, and they did. They weren't used to battling alongside one another, and unfortunately you can't turn off PvP in real life, so while nearly as many hits found a friendly target as found the Tiger Demon, nothing could stand before the combined wrath of Pigsy and the Monkey King. At the realization, the demon attempted to flee. He tried fighting again as a tiger, retrieving the damaged skin and covering himself again, but he just couldn't take it. Soon, the companions of the scripture pilgrim had the creature shirking on the ground. We got him, master, Sun Wukong cried out. But there was no reply. Master, the monkey king called. He glanced back at the still trembling tiger and, with a sneer, brought his staff down, but it only rang out, the shockwave reverbing back through the rod and stinging his hands. What the? Sun Wukong inspected the demon, but saw that it wasn't a demon at all. It was the demon's skin that he'd thrown over a rock before slipping away. Uh, older brother? Sun Wukong heard and turned to Pigsy, who was pointing at the sky. The monkey king was about to say stop calling him older brother. They talked about this, but then he looked up and watched in horror at Xuanzang. The scripture pilgrim he was supposed to be protecting flew away in the grips of a demon and disappeared into the storm. 
that's where we're going to leave it this week. Next time we catch up with the Monkey King, it'll be the last of his episodes because they let the monk get eaten by demons. Nah, I'm just kidding. But while they will attempt a daring rescue, they might need the help of a new friend. If you'd like to support the show, there's a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a rainbow light-up poop emoji hide-and-seek toy, you can get bonus episodes and ad-free versions of the show that won't taunt you in the dark to find poop. We actually got this for our son. He thinks it's hilarious. You can find more info at support.mythpodcast.com. Looking for other ways to support the show? Check out our t-shirts, stickers, swag kits, and more at shop.bardic.fm. The creature this week is the milk bird from sub-Saharan Africa, specifically the Kosa and Baralong people in modern Botswana and Zimbabwe. Long before almond, soy, and oat milk joined the breakfast cereal fray, there was another game in town. Today, meet the bird who gives milk that will make you much fatter and sleeker than drinking either cow or tree milk? The milk bird is a bit of a mixed bag. He's either a helpful and loyal pet, a trickster who will fill your garden with weeds with his magical singing, or a Pied Piper who will take revenge for being put in a jar by stealing all of the village children. Still ready to roll the dice? That's understandable, because this creature is pretty much the whole bird package. His plumage is amazing, his songs have magical powers, and he gives milk that's not only better than milk from trees, tree milk being a thing, apparently, that you can get by squeezing tree trunks, but it's also better than actual cow's milk because this milk makes your neighbors notice how good-looking you are. How good-looking, you ask? So good that they just might start planning your downfall. Pro tip for handling milk birds? Don't be greedy. This bird is smarter than you. And while you might keep it captive for a little while, the only way this ends well is if you're making good choices. Bad choices, like hoarding the bird's milk for your family, may lead to disaster. But not for you, it's just that your children might be dangled from trees, forced to marry crocodiles, disappear forever, or best case, have to endure a really traumatic bird air taxi in order to get back home. If bird milk still sounds like something you've got to try, here's one final warning before you start your search. Milk isn't the only thing you might get. Some birds give water, not ideal, but okay. However, some will give rivers of blood. Bottom line, if you find a musical, milk-giving bird messing with your garden, you should ask yourself how lucky and or virtuous you feel. And then you should probably just walk away and find a new garden. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Today's Creature of the Week was written by Trisha Harris-Evanson. Our theme music is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music, mythpodcast.com, and our swag shop in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>